0: everyone, and welcome to Let God Be True. If you've never listened to this podcast before, this is our second episode, and I want to explain for just a moment why I'm doing this podcast. The podcast itself is dedicated to examining modern ideas against the scriptures. And someone might think that could be somewhat self-serving. After all, I'm not exactly examining my own ideas, my own opinions, but examining other opinions, but... The purpose of this is is not to call people out it's not to you know make me or anyone else seem self-righteous or feel self-righteous because we don't agree with these ideas that's not the purpose at all the purpose of this is to examine very popular ideas and it's not so much about the people that are that are saying these ideas but about the message itself because the truth is many ideas and and certain ideology are toxic to Christians and what we're seeing today is, is nothing new the Apostle Paul warned us about in Second Timothy chapter 4 and verses 3 and 4. He said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I don't know exactly when that moment was when he says, for the time will come. But what I do know is we are living in that time. At least we're living on the other side of whenever that time came. Because what we're seeing today is many people are following their own desires. And I want to examine today the message that was given by a man. And I'm not going to tell you his name because... It's it's not about the person, and I don't want us to be biased about the message because we're biased about the person, whether it's positive or negative. So I don't I'm not going to mention the man's name. I j- just suffice to say he has over four million followers on Facebook. Uh, he has millions of followers on other platforms of social media. He has a church following of about twenty five thousand. That's attendees that uh, actually attend the church where he is pastoring and this message that this man gave he said following Jesus doesn't change you into something else it reveals who you've been all along what would it be like to see the you that God sees and and this is a very short message uh but he he left it by itself you know this message was that was all it contained and it's absolutely tragic that this type of message has become the gospel message to our postmodern world. I want you to understand something about this person who said this. He is he is followed by millions of people, which means he is a powerful influence for millions of people that are seeking guidance and information about their life. They trust this man to pastor them, to shepherd them, to guide them in life and Tell them what the will of God is for their life. Lamentably, he's not the only extremely influential person preaching this message. Another man who is perhaps even more influential than him said, and I quote, God accepts and approves you right where you are, faults and all, mistakes, shortcomings. And as Paul told Timothy in these verses that we looked at in 2 Timothy 4, when people desire what is worldly and selfish, they will attach themselves to someone that will validate those desires. And I want you to really let that sink in. Because Paul said there's going to come a time when people, they won't endure. That is, they won't tolerate sound doctrine. That is true teaching, accurate teaching, real truth. But instead They're going to find teachers that will tickle their ears, that will teach them things that validate their ungodly desires. And they're going to turn away from truth to fables. And if you think about the idea of a fable, a fable is a fairy tale. It's something that people want to believe that's true, that's not true. And unfortunately, a person who is willing to tickle these people's ears undoubtedly will also be a person that will take advantage of them. And Peter talks about this in Second Peter 2. He says uh, in Second Peter 2 and verse 2, And many will follow their destructive ways, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Now, you might hear the word blaspheme and think that it has something to do with Blasphemy in the name of God, but in particular, the word blaspheme means to speak evil against. In other words, people will speak evil against the truth. Why? Because they're greedy and they want to exploit people. And so, through covetousness and greed, they'll they'll convince people that God is pleased with their self-seeking, and their self-acceptance, and their self-love. These preachers will convince them that God calls them to be true to themselves. And that's really the heart of this message where this man said, following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. It reveals who you've been all along. Well, let's think about who we've been all along. Galatians one ten says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be the servant of Christ. Paul is giving us a really profound truth here, and that's this. When, when preachers are seeking to be approved by man, they are no longer servants of Christ. It is the job of the messengers of the gospel of Christ to please God and to preach a message that is approved by God. Not a message that pleases man or is approved by man. But when these people preach these ear-tickling messages, the people love their messages. And that's what allows these greedy, covetous men to take advantage of people and to take away their money and to take away you know, the things that they have earned in life. And there's a reason why their life looks very different than the life of the apostles there's a reason that the apostles and prophets were hated and then killed for preaching the gospel. It's because the true gospel was offensive to the worldly and the selfish, and it remains offensive today. Why? What's offensive about Jesus? It's actually quite simple. Jesus is offensive because Jesus commands us To follow him, which is what this post is about. Following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. Listen, Jesus commands us to follow him in a Lord-servant capacity. Now, we don't like that language, servant. But if we are truly following Jesus, here's the reality. He is our master. What does that mean? It means Jesus... Is in control. And here's why this message tickles the ears. Man doesn't want anyone to be in control of him except for himself. This is the very thing that Satan tempted Adam and Eve with in the garden. He used the pride of life by saying, you will be as God's. There's an element of pride in nearly every sin, if if not every sin. And it's because man wants to be in control. He wants to fulfill his desires. And when someone tells him his desires shouldn't be fulfilled, he resists. That's the who we've been all along. The one that follows self and is self-willed and self-loves and The one who follows his own desires. And what Jesus has told us is to deny ourselves and to repent. That's the idea of Jesus being our Lord. We deny ourselves. Jesus and his apostles said, Your life, your friends, and sometimes even your family, your words, your thoughts, your ambitions, your desires, they must change. You look at Matthew chapter 10 and 34, where Jesus says, don't think that I came to bring peace. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword and a man's foes will be those of his own household. And he begins to mention that, that there will be rivalries within family. There will be enmity in families. And he he tells us why he says, if you love your father more, uh, father or mother more than me, you can't be my disciple. Jesus said, you have to pick me. You have to pick me over your family. Well, think about this idea of it just reveals who you've been all along. That idea of, of, well, it's okay to just be who you are. God accepts you as you are. Well, if that's true, then why am I changing my relationship with my family and friends? John tells us in John 2, don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. James actually tells uh, in James chapter 4, whoever is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. It sounds to me like God is asking me to change my friendships, to change my alliances. Oh, that's exactly what God is asking us to do. And Jesus tells us, if you're not willing to do that, you cannot be my disciple, which means you cannot follow me. You're not my follower. In James 1 and 26, he talks about a man who, if he doesn't bridle his tongue, he says his whole religion is worthless. What does that mean? It means to follow Jesus, I've got to change the way I talk and I communicate. In fact, I've got to change the way that I think. Romans 12 and verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. That, that word renewal means renovate. You know, to renovate something, you've got to tear out what's corrupt and old. And replace it with something good. We're talking about change. And what he says is don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and holy will of God. It's no longer about your will. It's not about your desires. Following Jesus means I'm denying myself of those desires and seeking his will above my own. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 really illustrate this and we're not going to take time to read all of that today so if you want to read that read that uh, for yourself and I encourage you to do that but the theme of that is that we are to set our affections on things that are above not on things that are of the earth and that our life is hidden with Christ in God and because of that we are supposed to mortify or put to death our members which are on the earth, these sinful desires, these desires that Paul was talking about that would cause people to turn away from the truth. And that's really why people have turned away the truth from the truth and they've turned to these fable-speaking TV preachers. They like the fable. They prefer the fable over the truth. Why? Because of their desires. But once we accept that Jesus is our master, that he's our Lord, and we put to death those desires, we won't follow the fables. In fact, we'll see the fables for what they are, that that's all they are. They're a perversion of what's true. And here's the hard truth. If Jesus doesn't change you into something else, in fact, into someone else, you're not following Jesus at all. And I know that's that's a hard thing to recognize and to realize. But if you follow Jesus, it will definitely reveal who you've been all along. And the knowledge of that revelation will humble you to contrition, compel you to put that old person to death and to live in newness. See, where this man says following Jesus doesn't change you into something else, following Jesus should change you into something else. And if you're following Jesus, you will absolutely change into something else. Because who we have been all along and who we are without Jesus is powerless, wretched, misguided, unredeemed. We are broken Without Jesus. We're sick without Jesus. We're lost without Jesus. And truly following Jesus will change you into someone whose life looks nothing like who you've been all along. Paul talks about this in Romans. And apparently, there was a misconception at Rome that because God's grace is great, and, and there's there's no denying that, God's grace is incredible, it's great, but Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he he makes that statement because he talks about God's grace being greater than our sin. Well, is that true? Yes, it's absolutely true. God's grace is greater than our sin, and that's why we can be forgiven for our sin. But he's making a point that Just because God's grace is greater than our sin doesn't mean that we should live in sin thinking that grace will always overcome our sin. And to live in view of God's grace actually means that we deny ourselves of our sinful desires. It doesn't mean that we uh, treat them flippantly and we play with sin. And so he goes on to say, don't you understand that when you were baptized into Jesus Christ, you were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Now, we might talk about the fact that baptism is representative of the resurrection of Christ, and that's certainly true. But Paul has a phrase here that because you were baptized, you should walk in newness of life. And that's not necessarily about baptism. It's about recognizing what happened in baptism that leads you to a different life. It leads you to walk in a certain way. Understanding that you've been given new life means you should walk in that newness. In fact, Paul talks about this in Galatians 2.20. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live yet. Not I, but Christ lives in me. What he is saying is this. The old man, Saul of Tarsus, the man who I've always been all along, is dead. He's dead. he's been crucified with Christ. You know what happens when someone is crucified? They die. That's the point he's making, just as Jesus died on the cross. I died with Jesus, but he says well i'm I'm alive though I mean <laughs> nevertheless, I live." It's not He's not talking about physically or literally dying, but dying, just like we read about in Colossians 3, where a person's desires are put to death. Their will is put to death, and now they follow the will of another. And so it's not Paul that guides Paul anymore. Saul of Tarsus certainly doesn't guide Paul anymore. Jesus guides Paul. Jesus lives in him, and now the life that he lives. What is it? It's changed into something else. See, when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, it revealed who he had been all along. And I'll tell you what it did to Paul. It drove him into despair and sorrow because he realized he had not been the person that God wanted him to be. God did not accept him how he was. And someone was sent to him to tell him this. And to tell him, Paul, what are you waiting for? Arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Once that change happened, Paul became a servant. He was before a, a persecutor and, and a blasphemer. In fact, he compelled others to blaspheme the name of Jesus, but now he's completely changed. Why is that? Well, but for one, he's met the resurrected Jesus, But but Paul has been cleansed and following jesus he knew that he couldn't stay the same and i want to encourage you today don't don't believe this message that is being put out there that look you're you're good enough how you are you should love yourself and i'm not saying you should hate yourself in fact the bible never teaches that you should you should hate yourself or or that self-loathing or self-deprecation is something that is helpful but what the bible does teach us is to be self-aware and to know our weaknesses and to work on those weaknesses, not to accept those weaknesses or tolerate those weaknesses. And it certainly doesn't teach us to fly to the other side of the pendulum into self-love and selfishness and self-acceptance to where we just accept our weaknesses and we just live in them And what's interesting is the last part of that statement. What would it be like to see the you that God sees? Well, I don't want God to see me in all of my flaws and frailties. I want him to see me through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And you should too. And as long as we're following Jesus, really following Jesus, and we're striving to repent, and to live and walk in newness, that's what God will see. He will see Jesus Christ. We are the sons and daughters of God. If we've put on Christ in baptism, and we walk and we follow after Jesus Christ and walk in the light, and then God covers us and our life is hidden. I hope that you're blessed by our examination of this today, and I hope that also this will challenge you to... Not just accept the things that are often said that sound good. Because a lot of these messages, they're, they're somewhat attractive. And the reason why is because we still have a fleshly nature within us that, if we're not careful, can come out. And that's why we have to crucify those fleshly desires. We have to put them to death. Because if we're not careful, our desires can align with something that's not true and that can poison us spiritually. And it doesn't take much. Just a small dose of poison can affect our mind and our heart and pull us away from God and pull us off the track to where we're really not following Jesus. And I hope that each and every one of you here listening today that you will buy the truth and do not sell it for anything because it is the most valuable thing that God has given us. Hope you have a blessed day.